on. I, I don't have my volume up on my Zoom. Well, Sam Key's doing the like hands out, like what's happening here, like confusion. So let's just ask Justin Portland, put him on the spot. Why are, you, why are you not on the Zoom? Like what's going on? Why can't I see your pretty little Sitting face? Sitting here waiting for email links from you guys who can't figure Zoom out. I don't know. Oh, it's us who can't figure out Zoom. Oh, I can the click guys the link who use if it. One gets sent, buddy. Oh. Oh, the guys who use it every day and uh, are sitting here on the old Zoom. Do you like the message I just sent you uh, <laughs> on said Zoom? Are you talking to me now? Yeah, yeah. I, I do not receive such things. Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely <laughs> our fault. <That's> <laughs> <laughs> so how's it going, buddy? How, how are you doing? Minus okay. uh, our disagreements on who is at fault for Zoom problems. Yeah, no, good. It's... Uh... You know, busy times in the world, JD. Feels like busy yeah. times, but busy sports yeah. times too, and exciting sports times. So, uh, all yeah. good things that I'm busy with. So, um, I loved something the other night. I'm, I'm letting people in on this. Um, I'm sitting there and I watched the first period of the Maple Leafs preseason game, the second one. I actually watched like the first full one, and this is my favorite thing about the preseason stuff is like I watch it out of pure obligation for work like I know for a fact like that's when it feels like a job is when I watch preseason yeah. stuff like I, I don't care at all there's nothing happening in preseason like okay cool that's Michael Bunting alright that's what he looks like um handsome move on <laughs> done oh David Camp alright that's what he looks like huh okay good alright moving on that's it I, like there's nothing I'm taking too too seriously in these things but so I'm sitting there, and I switch off that game the second I can, right? I'm like, I got enough here. I got a period of this. I got the details. I got some thoughts. And I switch over to the Manning cast because it's a delight to me, right? I love Manning cast. I'm watching Monday Night Football, and I get a text from you. And it's takes on Leafs preseason stuff, you know? <laughs> You're hitting me with, like, normally I'm that guy to you. I'm the one who says to you, hey, this is here's a take, a spicy little meatball about a preseason game. And you go like, wow, okay, thanks a lot for this. And I got one from you. So you're in. You're in on this year. And now you're in on the Zoom. Look at you, handsome guy, Justin Bourne, now on the Zoom. So, yeah, you're watching. You're in. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. This, this is going to be a, a leafy year for me. I'm, I'm leaning in on the Leafs. You know why? Because everyone's jumped off. Jumped, the, the ship, mm. there's finally room to walk around on the main deck. You know, people have jumped into the life rafts. They're they're not paying attention. I, I mean, this year is is much like every other year. Uh, they're good, but they, there feels like there's as much chance this year as, as as there has been in the past. It's not the time to jump ship in the Leafs. So I'm in. I got takes. What do you want to know? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I thought, is it your son's birthday? And then I realized, no, you're just in his bed, and he has his own sign. He's like, I got a sign for me. I was like, oh, it's his birthday. Like, this is, hey, happy birthday, Chuck. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, nope. uh, and then, uh, by the way, do I get to call him Chuck? Like, do we oh, ever yeah, get Chuck that it up. Yeah, uh, that's half yeah, the fun Chuck, of naming right. your kid Charlie is you get to go full, yeah. full Chuck, Chaz, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Chaz, I don't know. I think, yeah, only if he's being, uh, you know, a douche. Then you get to be like, okay, Chaz. Easy, easy, Chaz. Yeah, exactly. That's his name for when he's being like a, a tough go. So yeah. let's just start with this. I just said it. It's the preseason. There, are, I'll tell you after you tell me, because there are a couple things I care about, but they're very, like, fringy things, and, you know, um, they're usually not what the internet cares about. Um 
Let's just put it that way. I'll, let's just start with that. What What do you care about right now, Leafs preseason? Like, is there something in particular that you're looking for when you're watching yeah. these games or you're reading these reports on practices and so on and so forth? Yeah, I think like everyone else, there's the the new guys. First off, you want to know mm-hmm. the, the guys who are professional tryouts. Uh, do any of them move the needle for you? Like I watched Josh Hosang in the first game, and I was like, it's a good game. But like, what do you have to do to make a team where you're a, a smaller skill guy on the Leafs you know what? What is he going to provide that they don't already have or already do? He's trying out know. for the Marlies. Let's just say he's trying out for the Marlies. Yeah. Like this is not a yeah. Leafs tryout that Hosang has. Like I, I think really I talked well about said. this briefly with someone yesterday or the day before, maybe not even on there. But it's like this guy has played ten games, and it was in twenty eighteen nineteen, and the Leafs already have their forwards that they're giving first cracks to. This is not a shot at Hosang, but you got to think about like. What does Michael Bunting need to do on this team, and what does Nick Ritchie have to do on this team to start off the year, right? It's yeah. not – they don't need to go fill out the net. They don't need to be doing things. Like Hosang, if he suck. makes this team, it's like, hey, man, you got to provide offense. you got to be scoring. you got to be doing things that are in the offensive zone. It's like just go down and prove it at the AHL level, and if you do that, there will be a spot for you. Like there's, it's yeah. going to happen. So I, I don't really get the whole is Hosang trying out for the Leafs thing. Uh, you're playing him up the lineup because that's the only place you can play him, and it actually reminds me a little bit of Nick Patan. Yeah, this is the, the that's the first time I've heard someone talk about Josh Hosang and say the truth. JD, you're telling truths. Like this is yeah. this is like, hey, if he goes to the Marlies and he's lighting it up, and we have an injury in December, mm-hmm. he might come up and get games for us. That's a very real thing. But this is not an immediate tryout. But it's guys like him that I'm looking at. You know, Nikita Gusev. I sent a couple texts mm-hmm. to people who've seen him play. You know, in their organizations. You know, what's this guy about? I have nothing really there, but then it's like, okay, what's Casho? What's Camp? What's Bunting? What's Richie? Uh, the, the the guy who stood out for me, like most people, I think, is Kasha so far. It's really it. It must be tough being him, because no one will let him have a good moment. Though saying, but he has to stay healthy, or like, oh, but what if he gets injured a lot? And it's like we can't just like say that he's looking good because he's looking good. You know, he played great, big guy. You know, Keith talked about him being versatile. They're gonna have him kill penalties. Like he could do a lot for this team. I know he needs to stay healthy. I know, I know. Everyone knows. But while he's in the lineup, it's found money. Anything he gives you is a bonus. Otherwise, he's LTIR. So, I, th- I think it's exciting to see that while he's not on LTIR, it looks like there's some real value there. Um, yeah, I, I guess th- that's where my eyes go first. Is what are the new guys all about? So with Kasha. Like, he's 25. (laughs) It feels like he's actually been around for a while. Oh, I know. He's not old. No, and this this happens now. But you're right. He is the – it's really tough in these games, right, these split squad games where no one's caring because if you just give a little bit extra effort or you're one of those skill guys, like the first game, the first preseason game, I'm watching William Nylander and I'm thinking, if you showed – this game to people and you said that guy people you know used to rip on they'd be like that guy isn't he the greatest player who ever lived (laughs) his first shift he danced like nine people yes I'm like (laughs) wow look at him go and I'm thinking wow Nylander came into camp looking great this year and then I realized don't give your head a shake he's playing guys who are going to be in the ECHL he better look like that right that's like when the semi-pro guy who played a, a couple of days in Sweden in the third league in Sweden shows up at your beer league game and he scores like eight goals and everyone's like, that guy didn't play in the NHL. Yeah, like, that's there the are better players and, than that? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what? how that guy back? Uh, I thought I was good at this. So he, he looked that part. It's always tough. But 
yeah, I, I think he has popped as well. There's And it's not even just a matter of he's looked decent in these preseason games. Like, he has real NHL numbers. He has real stuff to back it up. And, yes, yeah. it is the if healthy thing. I'll just say this about him, though. And, and I thought about this last night. And I brought up with Sam because he and I had a caption conversation where we were doing the, hey, is this guy, like, sneaky good? Is this guy mm-hmm. the wild card? It's been that since they signed him. So I'm working under the assumption right now that Nick Ritchie is playing – with Matthews and Marner, right? I guess, yeah. I'm working He's going to disappoint I'm, us, by the way. That, uh, there's a take. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Sam McKee bought all the stock, and he's going to look like a fool. But uh, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I have bunting stock. I, I realize that with bunting, he's making yeah, 900K, and he's from stock, here. Yeah. And, like, just, like, what he has to do. It's, again, it's, like, what is your role on the team? What do you have to do? And for bunting, he's, like, I got to try hard, for, and I'm making 900K. No one's getting mad at me, and I'm from here. And the whole season, he's going to be yeah. like, wow, to wear the leaf and to be from here, and I love it. And th- he's just he's going to be He's going to give us eight goals, and everyone's going to be like, eight goals yeah. for 900K? Anytime he bangs one in the crease, we're going to go, that's a dirty goal. That guy's not afraid of the dirty areas. 900K. I can already see it now. Like, it's you a know what lock- we should do? We, we should take 100 imaginary dollars and invest it yeah. in the players as stocks for the season. Like, where yeah. is the most of your stock in terms of where you're going to find value <laughs> yeah. over the course of yeah. the year? Yeah, we're, we're definitely doing that over uh, the course of one of our <laughs> I got bunting stock for sure. Oh, yeah, McKee we're can have all the, the Richie stock. Oh, I know. Like, I told Sammy, this is my scary thing with Richie. I've never really been a fan of guys who are so big and so imposing but aren't really, you know, tough and that. Like, it almost feels like a bit of a put-on where it's the toughness of the nastiest. Anyway, I don't want to get to – I want to stick with Cash for a second. We'll get to all these other guys. But where the hell is he supposed to play if this works out? Cash. Because I think he's better than Bunting. Yeah, he's better than yeah. Bunting, and he's better than Richie. And, like, what, he's not going to play in the top six if he's good to go and healthy? Like, he's not playing on that third grinder line where yeah, they just say – Yeah, that's where they'll put him. Hey, really? Because then yeah, where's he'll play with Camp. Where... <laughs> yeah, Camp. Oh, boy, yeah. That's a catch the fever. Camp, Kerfoot, Mikheyev might be the least sexy line in the history of hockey. Like, it's up there. No finish. It's got to be. Just none. Well – and then there's like the Wayne Simmons factor and the Spezza. I just I keep looking at this team and I'm like, where where is Cash is supposed to be? Like, who is the odd man out? I, I don't like he's he's going to be a guy you put on your fourth line and have play you know ten twelve minutes a night. I don't know what what's the I, role. I here? guess that's the the Richie thing. You know that's a great problem, right? You're sitting there going, everyone's it is. so good, you know. But yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, I guess you wait and see. If everyone pans out, then yeah, you've got some tough decisions to make. But it's it seems unlikely that everyone pans out. By the way, the the Richie thing. One more thing on that. Uh, I love the expression. Uh, better to try to tame a tiger than paint stripes on a pussy cat. I'm not calling Nick yeah. Richie a pussy cat, but I'm saying he is not naturally driven to punch people in the face or, you know, like Curtis Gabriel. Whatever you want to say about yeah. Curtis Gabriel, he's dying to punch someone out there. Just oh, give me a yeah. reason. You know, Richie's oh, yeah. like he'll do it. But it doesn't seem like he, you know, he's excited about it. Yeah, I just Gabriel's gonna play. I, I, I've seen Nick Ritchie play before. I know, I know who Nick Ritchie is, and everyone's bringing up. This is again, you know, when we're talking about stocks, Nick Ritchie had what fifteen goals last year. Yeah, he's got fifty nine goals in three hundred and fifty NHL games. It's just. What do you what what do you think is the real thing here? You know, like the guy who scored 15 in a shortened season, or the guy who has 59 in 360. And um, a lot's gonna be made of this. You're gonna hear this take a lot. This is gonna be the guy's take, the 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 guy take from everyone. 
I, I think he can play with Marner and Matthews. It's like, well, he better because you know who else can? J- Justin Bourne. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. those guys are making all of the money. You better be able to put anyone with those guys. Uh, you know, like Skeletor Joe Thornton, like a hundred-year-old Joe Thornton last year was playing with those guys and didn't look out of place at times. So, yes, do I think Nick Ritchie's going to fit with them? Uh-huh. But do I really love it? Do I think that it's as uh, – like I saw Hyman score that tap-in yesterday, and it hurt. It hurt me in a place where I wasn't ready to be hurt, you know, where I just saw it. And I'm like, damn, he's going to get a lot of those. And there's just something to be said for the guy who has the nose around the net. And I think Hyman is that guy. And we've never really appreciated that because when he first started here, it was Mr. Stonehands. And it was, holy crap, he was the Mikheyev of the team where it was like, this guy gets so many opportunities. Why is he playing up the lineup when he can't finish? Like, can't you just have somebody up the lineup who finishes? I think that you're going to notice that. Like, that's going to be a noticeable thing this year is, like, the opportunity cost of having a guy there and who actually takes advantage of those chances and who goes to the right spots. And I'm not sure with Richie. Yeah. Well, that's the, the whole the whole thing with now, you know, you hear people talk about winger pairs. Like, you know, Matthews and Marner are a pair, and Nylander and Tavares are a pair. Who are you going to put with them? Um you know, you don't want to throw that spot away just because you got pairs. You don't want someone who provides nothing. You know, so I, I get the idea of having a guy who does something different than Tavares and Nylander, but yeah, I guess it depends how often Richie brings it. That's he's one of those guys when he's when he brings it and has his energy and his effort, he's great. Uh, Nylander is someone we've said that in the past about too, so it does make you feel a little bit uncomfortable that there might be some sleepy nights. Yeah, we're we're kind of all over the place right now, so I'll, I'll get us back on track in a second. But the other thing with Richie is he takes a lot of bad penalties. Like, that's been historically one of his uh, bugaboos for his entire career. And with more ice time, you know, like if he's playing with Marner and Matthews, that's a lot more opportunity to be the guy who takes a penalty in a bad spot with those two guys on the ice. And, like, that that scares me a little bit too. So um, I have my reservations about the player. Um, I have some reservations about the fit. Um, but ultimately, I'm trying to give you know people clean starts, fresh shots, and not just kind of go into it too much with preconceived notions. But that is sort of where I'm at with it now. I just like on the Kasha thing. I, I just thought it was interesting that out of all these guys, Bunting, Richie, Kasha, he's the best. He's the best of these players, and yet it almost feels like you're right when media members are bringing up if he can stay healthy. That the team has sort of done it internally because, like. I, I don't know. I feel like technically he should already be on one of those lines, and yet he's not. So we're. I want to start with this with Marner. Because we're going to talk about power play, and we're going to talk about actual shot and whether you can improve it a lot. I want to get your thoughts on that because to me it, it reeks of um, I'm in the best shape of my life or I got LASIK eye surgery. Every offseason, Ben Simmons jumper's right. fixed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I was working on my three-point shot all year, blah, 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 blah. But – Keith said at the media conference that everything's on the table and that all the lines are open and blah, 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 and that, you know, one of the things last season and the playoffs, the question was if Tavares was healthy, would they have juggled the lines? Would they have taken Marner off of the line with Matthews? Would they have just tried to give it a different look? And I'm a little surprised that we all feel like, hey, it's a guarantee that it's going to be Nylander, Tavares, and Marner Matthews. Like, shouldn't we at least be having a discussion of these guys not playing together? It's like that didn't work. We did that. And when they were up against Philip Deneau, it didn't work. You know, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, this is where the contract thing comes into it. And I feel like when you pay a guy so much money, it's like 
you have to put him in a position to see succeed or people look bad. Marner looks bad. The organization looks bad. He wants to play with Matthews. That's where he's happiest. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, there there should be some more open mindedness about that. It will. I'm curious to see if they what they do with that in season. I'm also curious to know how much it really matters to Austin Matthews that he play with Marner versus playing with Tavares or Nylander or whoever. So I don't know the answer there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I wanted to kind of see some things that were different, and we will see that with the different wingers, right? We'll see that with a different goaltender in Morazic. But to me, it's like, am I wanting this because it makes sense strategically? Because there has been a case that Nylander is actually more effective with Matthews than Marner has been. And if you look at Marner and... Tavares, it, it always was surprising to me that they split them up considering we were doing, in their first season together, it was a lot of, is this the best line in hockey? Tavares, Remember that? 47 goals or something. Yes, and it was just, hey, they, these guys are unbelievably well-suited to play with one another, and then it was kind of like, well, we have to give Matthews Marner and blah, 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 blah. So I think there actually is a strategy standpoint, but I, I did kind of think, hey, after a disappointment like last year, I know you guys are trying to move on and you're doing your new thing, but... I sort of hoped that after something like that, there would be a humility amongst the group of, we can't just come back here and have things be automatic. I know Matthews and Marner are tight. I know they wanted to skate with one another. Elliot Freeman brought it up many times on Now 32 Thoughts, where it was before Matthews' injury, he wanted to go to Arizona. He wanted to skate with Matthews. They wanted to spend more time together. It didn't work out because Matthews ended up getting hurt. He's He ends up spending time with McKinnon instead, which is something to look at when we're looking at Team Canada rosters. But, yeah, I just I, – I would have wanted to see a couple of different games where they said – and maybe we'll get it. Maybe we'll get it if Matthews can get in here. I don't know if he's going to play in the preseason with where that wrist is at. But just line rushes, anything, practices, mm-hmm. scrimmages where Matthews is centering a line that has Nylander on it and not Marner. Just give me a look of it. Yeah, this uh... – you know the one thing that they have done that is is on the power play, uh, where Mitch Marner is now in the bumper position. You know they put him in the the middle of the ice. I, uh, I'm writing something on Marner in the power play for .ca right now and going through some of the stats. So Marner last season fourth in the NHL in points at 67 uh, um, in 55 games, zero goals on the power play as you know. His 14 power play points was 54th in the NHL. He was tied with like Chris Kreider and Adrian Kempe. He's on the top power play unit. Yeah, top power play unit with Tavares, Matthews, Nylander, Morgan Riley, by and large. 14 power play points in 55 games. And the, the team power play ends up finishing the middle of the pack. They're 16th in the league at 20%. Marner handles the puck most of the time and I think is mostly on the hook for the success there. He's not a great power play player. Full stop. I don't, I don't think his skill set is well-suited for it, but he's definitely not well-suited to, to handle the puck in the flank because he's not going to shoot it, and he only has really two places to go. It really has one place to go with the puck. Well, two. Up to the point or cross seam. He's not putting it to the net. He's not shooting it. It's going one of two places everyone kind of knows. So putting him in the middle, I like doing something different. You know, I like having him there. At least he has all the other players or his options around him. He's someone who who has that perception and knows where to go with pucks, so I like the idea. Um, I also like having maybe having him at the point at times because uh, then he has uh, multiple options as well. But here's my conclusion. I don't think he's a good power play player. What do you do with a guy who's one of the best offensive players in the league who's not good on the power play? Can you put Marner on PP2? 
because I don't know that he's a part of the best possible PP1. Hmm. I know it worked one year with JVR and Bozak, and they went down low pretty often. JVR does that handsy move around the crease where he pulls it through his legs and all that. Maybe you need Simmons or Tavares or someone to be better at that so he has a low option. But it's just, I'm glad they're going away from him in the flank. It didn't work. I'm still not sold that he's an effective power play player even there. Well, what's especially interesting about this, if you believe that, um, and, and I don't have the qualifications you do. I'd never thought of Mitch Marner not as a good power play guy. Um, it, it doesn't seem like Tavares is going to be power play one. They put Simmons down there. Is that where it's yeah, at right Yeah, that now? it's gonna Simmons and Nylander are the other guys that are going to be a part of this thing, and that it would be Tavares' power play too. And if I'm thinking about a guy who I want in the middle of the ice on a power play, uh, I'd much rather have John Tavares there than Mitch yes. Marner. Yes, and and I yes. and, and this is like this goes back to the like, is this team prepared to just do things the right way, hockey wise? Are they willing to actually sacrifice ego and actually put things aside? Like, are you able to take this this is it for Mitch Marner this year. No one cares about your stats in the regular season. They're just going to care about wins and feeling as though you are maturing as a hockey player. And is this move actually what Spencer Carberry believes is what is absolutely the very best? Or is there a tint of this, which is you got to keep the players happy and that it's there's Mitch not Marner, a huge drop-off. Piss them off. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you're going to keep Matthews and Marner together on a line, you're not going to tinker with it, and you're going to have Marner in this spot, and you're going to gas up the shot, and you're going to have all these things. Like, if the power play gets off to a slow start this year, this is one of my biggest things about the season. I'm going to do this a, a bunch of different times, but I, I don't know if the Leafs players are ready to be villains, and I think there's a real chance they, they will be, that people are going to watch this Amazon series. I don't know how guys are going to come off, but it's soon. And these guys are like, we want to move on, we want to move on, we want to move on. And then Amazon's going to be like, well, we're releasing a series that's going to remind everyone of what just happened. That is tough right timing. As you're, it's horrific timing, right? Like, it's, it's just really bad for them. So you have this series come out, and now people feel like they know these guys even more. And it might piss people off. It might keep them kind of stuck in the mud. You come out this year, and you have a slow start, and your power play has a slow start. I wonder if in that in that stadium they keep saying, "Oh, we're so happy to have the fans back. We're so happy to have the fans back." It's a pretty corporate crowd. I don't anticipate that to change. Yeah. But my experience from being at a lot of Blue Jays games is they're a little bit rowdier than they used to be. There's like a different kind of energy of people excited to be back in a building. I, I think that they'll get booed. I, I do. Yeah. I think that if they get off to a slow start this season and the power play sucks, that there's going to be some booing. And and I wonder how they handle that. Yeah, Marner's. <sighs> His rep and his legacy and all that does sort of hang in the balance right now just because a combination of a lack of postseason success, which, you know, that's all people care about at this point, and a, a defiance to accept it and to sort of lean into it and sort of mm-hmm. uh, almost like a, uh, a little bit of entitlement. And so what's interesting to me is, like, they don't seem to care about Willie Nylander's feelings. They'll make him play PP2. You know, they don't care if he's frustrated with that or whatever. He'll play 16 minutes a night. That's what he averaged last year. 16 and change, despite being the best player in the postseason. They don't care. Mitch Marner, they're like, oh, you know, like there seems to be a bigger machine around him, around Marner, of uh, people in his corner and defending him through back channels. And no, no one wants to make the Marner camp upset. But 
it has come to a point where it's either going to work with Mitch Marner or he's going to start playing on the second line or on the second unit, and it's just not going to work here in Toronto at some point. You know, like it's going to be you know, for this much money, you do what you're told to do. And will he accept that if that means playing, you know, on the second power play unit uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs? So I'm going to admit something, and I never actually, I, I never do this. Like, I really do try to just shoot very much from the hip. Like, I try to educate myself, but I also don't try to hold back my opinions on things. I genuinely am trying to take it easy to an extent on Mitch Marner. Like, not to the point where I'm going to coddle him, but I'm Mm. trying to really not let it be, like, super nitpicky about a guy that is already going to be over-criticized. I just think it's actually too easy right now, and maybe that's the contrarian to me. Maybe that's a little bit of human empathy. I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm actually pulling for this guy. Like, I want him to show up this year and do well and get this off of his back and not have to have it the entire season. Like, there's no, there's no fun of feeling like you're being complicit and legitimately chasing a guy out of town, right? Which is what this could be. Because if he has a bad year and everybody's on it all season long, you have to know that we are the essentially... I, I don't know. There's a difference between bullying and doing your job in our avenue, but, you know, it's a fine line. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. people can mix it up. I think I've mixed it up at times. Like, I, I'm not, you know, innocent in that. But I just look at everything, and I'm always trying to be like, come on, Mitch. Let's get a win here. Let's get a PR win here, buddy. Today's our day. And then he's like, I'm going to put out this Drake song video where <laughs> it has the lyric that my contract has you feel in some kind of way, but I'm here with the boys. And I'm like, God damn it, Mitch. And then he shows up at media day and he's like defensive still. And he's really in like non-human and robotic and very stiff. And you're like, come on, Mitch, just, you know, be yourself and just be understanding. Like you grew up here. Don't you have some connection to what the fan base is going to like through right now? Can't you just kind of own it a little bit and then just be owning it and then moving on from it? Like actually having some level of humility rather than just like, he still said the thing about we got a lot of good looks. And and what he said, I was like, are you kidding me, man? Like I'm exasperated at this point. So I'm trying not to let this stuff play in, but I've watched sports for a long time, dude. And I love sports. And there are markers. I'm sorry. There are markers for athletes, right? And you get used to certain beats and you go, oh, that beat hit. Oh, this beat hit. And it's hard not to feel like you're getting in the groove of the same old song when you see some similar beats. And so far, I'm seeing some similar beats and that scares the crap out of me. On the other, the positive side of this, it is really impressive how Austin Matthews handles all of it, right? Like Austin Matthews had one goal in seven (laughs) games last year in the playoffs and like, I don't got a thing to say about him. You know, like because, he... because honestly, do you re- does anyone in their real heart of hearts like I had one guy text in to me and was like, "Why is Matthews escaping criticism?" I'm like, "Because do you really feel like he's do you watch in any videos? way a problem?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, have you seen yeah, him you... in other big moments? Yeah. No, it's 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 ridiculous. He's so good, and that's what is still so frustrating about that whole negotiation and why it still gets tied in together is because like the comparison was these two guys should be treated essentially the same. Matthews and Marner from their camp and to anybody with eyeballs or earballs or whatever (laughs) you can tell the the massive differences between these guys. Austin Matthews is built to play here. This guy does not care. He shows up. He's on red carpets with Justin Bieber. He doesn't think, oh my god, it's me and Justin Bieber. He's thinking 
yeah, I belong here. It's, Bieber's like, I'm amazing. with Austin Matthews. This yeah. is amazing. Right. And I bet you that's kind of what the uh, relationship is like. Yeah. Don't you think yeah. that Matthews is the alpha in that relationship when they're just I, one-on-one? I hadn't considered it till this conversation, but now I kind of do. Yeah. He's one of the biggest pop stars on the planet ever. <laughs> and he's the alpha probably in the relationship. So, yeah. Um, I don't even know what we're essentially t- – oh, yeah. That, I'll, this, I'll close it with this and I'll take the, yeah. the break or get with you. It's like I think that actually even sometimes makes it harder on Marner is that Matthews is so calm, so it. collected, so comfortable as himself, such a natural with the media end on the ice that when you compare and contrast because the money got close – it's partially Mitch's fault because had he just taken the like you know eight point nine mil, then we wouldn't be doing this as much. But either way, um, let's take a break. Oh, Bourne's audio went out. That's what that was. He was like, he's like, oh, the audio goes. Um, gonna take a break. We'll come back. Hopefully with less just uh, trying to read between the lines of things. It's a good show. JD Bunkus, Justin Bourne, Sportsnet Five Night of the Fan. At JD Bunkus on Twitter and Instagram. Although you have two, you're one of those like I have a professional and a personal account on Instagram, and yet both I'm pretty sure have pictures of you and your family. Well, the the idea of double <laughs> accounting is to yeah. not do that. I think my Instagram has yeah. one picture, or my work one has one picture of my family to be like, there. Now you have context yeah. that I okay. have a family, and I yeah, think I'm yeah. Not. Yeah, I'm a family man. All right. No, you. I just realized that you also have two Twitter accounts. You're a doubler. You have the golf yeah, Twitter account. and you know what, though? That's regrettable. That's regrettable. What, you know, yeah. who am I really helping out here? No, no you know, one. Just put my golf I, takes on my feed. No, you know what? I was just going to say that at one point in time, that made sense. It would have made sense if you were doing the way Norm MacDonald used to tweet about right. golf, where it was just like every single thing. You'd go, hey, listen, this is over here. But you're not golfy McTweets golf, you know? Oh. <laughs> you're, you know what you're... The part of the, ori- the origination was? I want yeah. to play Augusta once in my life, and so I want oh. to be taken seriously as golf media. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I, I can If I you can go cover the Masters, you're in, in a lottery to play yeah. it. Uh, you know, Jerry D has famously played Augusta National because of this. So I figure if he is a if he qualified as golf media one year, I can get yeah. my foot in the door. That's a that's a sound strategy. You know, Sam McKee is listening to this right now with his Golf Guys podcast and with oh, the golf show. The and only he's reason like, anyone covers golf. I'm in. I, I I'm in. Uh, so anyway, um, I love it. But yeah, there's also a lot of overlap with uh, those two things. And yeah, I don't think that hockey fans, too many of them, would be upset with the very very odd um, thing about golf. I think that's pretty clear. Um, yeah. I don't know what's going on here. This I is the technical <laughs> hours of hours. It's like, why this jumping around and the zooms here, the zooms there. Okay. So I mentioned we did the things we care about with the Leafs preseason, things that have noticed so far. I think that it's like the power play and the stuff around Mitch Marner has obviously been pretty big. Is there something right now that you think has been overstated or did we already cover it with Hosang? Um. 
no, I think that that probably does it. You know, like there, there's always that preseason excitement anytime someone does something halfway well. So it's probably the the current Leafs, like a little bit too much excitement about like how Willie Nylander looks or something. But mostly, I think we're on point. Okay, all right. So I, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I don't think that there's been like one massive. Um, story that I'm like, wow, this is an overhyped, over-discussed Leafs thing. I think in part of it is the Jays. Part of it is that the Jays have been so big and so red hot that there's been a bit of a distraction. And weirdly, like, there's enough heat with what's happened with Pascal Siakam. I don't know if I'm too close to it, if this is a media thing, but I feel like I've been very interested in talking about this whole Siakam coming into the season dichotomy with his teammates where he's hurt and he wants to be the man and there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. But yeah, like, sneaky, quiet Leafs offseason that I think just amps up with the Amazon series, where the Amazon series comes in, that starts on October 1st in a couple of days, and everybody watches it. And then we start getting takes. And then we start having opinions about this team and talking them on an everyday basis where it doesn't feel like you're sandwiching it in and it doesn't feel like we're talking about just like Michael Bunting, Nick Ritchie, Andre, Andre Kasha, and Peter Mrazek, right? Yeah, like, that's so when it's going to be back to this team. It is. And, you know, one of the things that I, I think it, from this offseason is, like, Kyle Dubas is the only person I know of in the Leafs world who thought they should just keep the team together. Right? Like, everyone had a take about what had to happen. you got to break up the core four. Marner's got to mm-hmm. go. Nylander's got to go. Goalie's got to go. Riley's got to go. Everyone had takes, us included. And Dubas was like, I like my team. The only person I know who was like, I like my team. What has that has allowed uh, them to do is it has been quieter. They didn't blow it up. It's not a fresh start. What's going to happen? You kind of know. This is like a chance for like consistency and the team to just carry on last season's regular season success, hopefully. I think it gives them a shot that it's a little quieter around them to just go about their business for once. Imagine if they had traded Marner and they used that space to bring in I don't know, Flirt McDaniels, and he's now playing with Matthews and yada yada. I don't know. I I think that there would have been a real renewed optimism around the fan base. You don't need optimism. Optimism's for unicorns and rainbows and okay. all that stuff. Well, I, I didn't hit you with my thing that I have really noticed from these preseason games. The thing that has really popped for me has been there's nobody I'm excited about that's young except for Nick Robertson. Yeah, and not even excited and, about him this and, year for me. And and I can – I mean, I guess I'm not lumping Sandine into that because to me it's just he's already a part of the team and it's obvious and he's already kind of a – to a degree a proven commodity. We haven't seen him at his very best, but I already know that guy can play in the NHL. What exactly he is in the NHL is to be determined, but he's an NHL player, right? Like, And he basically was the second he stepped out onto the ice for the Maple Leafs. And it was the Babcock of, hey, I'm worried this guy is going to get run down. But then Sandine – for anybody who cares, has stated over and over and over again that the handling of him has been perfect, that he did need that downtime in the AHL. He did need to go to the World Juniors. He did need to take the pedal off of being an NHL defenseman when he was 19 years old, like immediately, right? That the physical element, if you remember one of his first games, he just got absolutely tattooed on a play, and he probably thought, like, you know, won't be the worst thing to take a beat here for (laughs) one quick second. Sandine is is on the roster, so I don't view him as like a prospect. Robertson is a prospect. He's playing on the quote-unquote top line in tonight's preseason game, right? But he's playing with Wayne Simmons and Kerfoot. The rest of the guys, Simeonov, like, you know, there's the – yeah, like, 
who is there? Like it's Gusev's, it's Brooks's, it's a lot of still the same AHL guys and you know fringe NHLers, the Joey Andersons of the world, right? Where it's is this guy supposed to be an NHL player? Is this guy a diamond in the rough? You and I have talked about this a lot in the past. That if I'm actually going to be like super critical of things that Dubas has done, the contract one is the most obvious. It's the most no-brainer thing with Marner, right? It's the biggest domino that he will always get criticized for, but. Sneakily, mine is he's never really been able to identify these quote-unquote 4A players that nail, like, roster spots, right? Mm -hmm. Guys who are overlooked in other organizations that come to the Leafs and you go, wow, they really did overlook this guy. The Golden Knights effect, right? You thought Dubas was going to be very similar to what happened with Vegas where you were going to get the Marchessos of the world on this team that other teams gave up on and Dubas identified them and they nailed it. That's why I don't have a ton of faith in camp and whatever. Bunting is well, another version well, of Well, I mean, it yeah. does depend how you consider these guys because, you know, that was Zach Hyman when he came over. That was Justin Hall, a guy who that, uh, you know, other people would have cut bait on. You know, Hall, kind of fringy guys. Hall is definitely one. Hall is his number one example of guy he didn't give up on at the AHL level that they hit on and became like a serviceable player. I think um, at times a little overhyped, at times a little underappreciated. I think this season we're coming into it with a more realistic expectation of the player. Hyman apparently, according to reports, Dubas was the guy behind the scenes that really pushed for bringing him to Toronto. That that was kind of one of his guys and that it's it's very much like Bobby Webster privately gets a lot of credit for being the guy who wanted Danny Green as a part of the Kawhi trade. Um, that Dubas, despite being the assistant GM at the time, gets Zach Hyman. So it's not as though he's never hit on those guys. I just think that over the course of the core, once they paid those dudes, it was we're going to be able to find diamonds in a rough. Our play is we can pay these guys a lot of money because we don't think there's a big difference between third liner X and AHL 4A guy. And that has turned out to be incorrect. And so it's like you look at all these different guys that they've tried to acquire. And I know it's unfair to like name these guys, but like Patans and Malgans and the Kerfoot trade. And there's just a lot of misses here. A lot of, oh, yeah, that didn't actually work out. And I'm not giving him a lot of credit for Spezza because Spezza was like, hey, I'm going to come here and there's nowhere else I'll play. And I'll take the minimum amount of money and I'm a lottery ticket. Uh, you can play me or not, but I want to be here. And it worked out because he's Jason Spezza, it turned out. Either way, um, where I was going with this is just simply – you look at a lot of teams that are having success in the NHL and in salary cap leagues like the NFL. What do you need? Talent on rookie contracts that is really above average. That is one of the best things that is you can have. It's why having a quarterback who develops immediately, like these guys throw these dudes into the fire, Zach Wilson gets a shot immediately even though his team stinks because, man, if he can get these reps out of the way and then the Jets can figure it out two seasons from now and he's still on his rookie deal, they can splash a ton of cash and make their roster loaded around a guy making no money. And we saw it last year with the Canadians where they bring in Caulfield, right? And they still have Suzuki on his rookie deal. And these guys are just making big differences. And all of a sudden, you don't care how much Shea Weber makes or how much Carey Price makes, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's not a coincidence that they're that first team who makes it to a cup final with a goalie making over $10 million. It's because they got young guys contributing at the highest level on rookie deals. And when I look at this Leafs team, I keep thinking, who are the guys that are com coming up and doing that? Because sneaky... Uh, Sandine's, I believe, on last year of rookie contract. Like, this is it. Yeah. Then they've got to give him a bridge deal or some kind of a contract, like an extension, because they burned year one on the 
whatever. I didn't like it at the time. It looks bad now, but they did it. I'm not going to kill them for it. They have Robertson, and he's exciting, but you've said it. You're not super high on him this year. I think that he will play a factor at some point this season, but after that, it's like, what, I'm supposed to care about SGA? Like, where are the other young guys that you're really supposed to care about right now? And it's Rodion Amarov who's somewhere, and, like, that's the list. Yeah, Rodion Amarov over in the KHL. Uh, you know, like, I thought Lilligren looked like he might play in the league this year at times in preseason. Yeah, but, sure. You know, and, but I know what you But mean. Lilligren's not like making... A contributor. Right. He's just a, like, he's he might be, as we like to say, Lilligren might be a guy... But he's not going to be the guy. You're not going to move the needle in any significant way for this team. And no. you're right. I, no, it is. You know, I'm thinking like Pierre Engvall. Is he? Does he count? Do you no. see the quote from Keith? Uh, Jonas Siegel wrote something that was like, "Hey, you know, they're excited about Kasha. They could move like Engvall off the third line, and the next line is Keith being like, we 'We're excited about the possibilities.' It's like Keith just cannot wait to get Engvall, Engvall all the way the hell out of town. It's hilarious." Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, I I mean, I'm not sure what it is about their relationship, but he just is on Keith's bad side for whatever reason. I know the reason is because he takes the puck the wrong way and oh. doesn't really do anything <laughs> above average. But yeah, I just, you know, there's just, this is kind of the time of year where you're supposed to be able to get a look at a prospect. And forever and ever and ever, the Leafs have had overhyped prospects. This is just a thing. It's yeah. been a part of being in Toronto is people know who you are early on. And... I remember when Calgary started to trade away all their picks, right? They're doing like the Hamannick trade and they had year over year and you go, this is going to end up catching up with you. I don't feel like it caught up with them as much as it's caught up with the Leafs. I feel like the Leafs are the kind of number one team where organizationally, I'd have to talk to Cause and I'm sure I'm lower on some of these guys than other people are, but it doesn't feel like they have guys banging on the door. It's a lot of like, yeah, Amarov and Hirvonen, right? Like, that's the guy. He was a second-round pick a couple of years. Like, those are their dudes that we're looking at here, and none of them are like, this guy's supposed to come in here and be a contributor, or this guy's ready, or this guy's knocking on the door. It's like, it's Sandine. It's kind of Robertson. It's kind of Lilligren. End of list. Nothing else really in we behind all it. love when the teams trade picks because no one leaves the roster and you get a new player in. Love it. Love yeah. it. And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, boy, we're a little thin, thin on what's coming next. No, it is. It is a, a serious shortcoming for this team right now. So hopefully Someone's all of the mad. guys they brought in are healthy. I was going to say, someone's mad at me because they're going to tweet in like, you don't oh, know yeah. about Toppy Niemela <laughs> or whatever. I'm going to be like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and like, I know people like Matt's nice. Um, I'm like, okay. <laughs> but none of these guys are... Like, none of these guys are here right now. None of these guys are close right now. None of these guys are impacting things. And, and I just, I, I very, very strongly believe that out of all the teams, the Leafs are the number one of, God, they could just use a guy that comes in and is fresh and is impactful and can score a bunch of goals. And it's why, you know, I, I don't really have the time to get into Nick Robertson with you because I think that you're going to give me a more detailed answer on this, but... I still feel like he is one of the most important pieces to this Leafs team. Like, they need him to be... Remember a couple of years ago when... Um, uh, God, I'm blanking on... Andreas Janssen. Yeah. He was tearing up the AHL. I watched him go win a Calder Cup where he was just far and away the best player on the ice. Like, he was dominating. But he came up for that Bruins series, and he was ready for it. 
And they didn't win, but he impacted the lineup immediately. And I, I think that Nick Robertson's going to have to be that guy for this team at some point. And it, I think that some point is going to be this season. He doesn't have the luxury of just having an entire year where he's not an impact player. What's going to be interesting is like Andreas Janssen, you know, he put up numbers in that postseason run, but like when he didn't score, he worked and hounded the puck and, you know, he was a little, little bit of an edge to him. You know, Robertson still, you know, granted he's young and has a whole other year in the American League here to see what else he can bring to his game, but he's got to find a way to be effective when he's not scoring or creating chances. Right now it's kind of like when the puck comes to him and he gets a shot, he might shoot it in the net. I'm not seeing him create a ton of chances or do something, um, you know, outside of creating offense. So I'm going to keep a close eye on him this year because you're right. If he's good, it's make a huge difference for this Leafs team, but I'm not sure that he's ready to start the year in this team. Yeah. Uh, If we're talking about guys with great shots, when we were discussing Marner earlier and whether we believe in the shot, that's part of the reason why I'm just like, God, just get Nick Robertson here. How does that not work on the power play? You know, like how does that not partially change things having that shot out there okay i'm gonna close on that do you have an example of a guy who had basically no no shot and uh, like a marner level shot yes. Yes. that became an above average shot do you have an example no. of that? oh who became one no 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 yeah uh, never i i a player like marner um is like prime scott gomez uh, who on the power play distributed the puck well and was effective and whatever, but, you know, on the power play. But, no, I've never seen someone just, like, figure out their shot in hockey, ever. Because, <laughs> because like, in football it used to be quarterbacks don't figure out the accuracy, but now we have yeah. Josh Allen. Um, in basketball it's Jason Kidd was someone who couldn't hit a three and at the end of his career was hitting tons of threes. Even someone like Kawhi, like, there's just a lot of examples. Can Markel Fultz shoot yet? Kind of, yeah. Mark, listen, if Markel Fultz didn't get hurt last year, I think he would have had a season, and it would have been like a really big story. And it's going to actually be kind of weird when he comes back and there's Jalen Suggs and the two of them together, and whether the Magic actually might have something there. Um, I think he's star-crossed. Um, he's just he's unlucky. But yeah, you have examples of this in other sports, right? Where it's hey, this was the guy's flaw, but he really, really worked on it, and it actually took a big improvement. But I just – I can't remember a person. If someone does, tweet in. All, by all means, let me know. At JD Bunkus, hit me up anywhere. Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Hit Bob Bourne, at JT Bourne. Give me the example I, of the person I, I, who has, like, developed something. an elite wrist shot. Give me it. I never used to think that Jason Spezza had a big shot, and I think he does now. I, I, I need – I, probably someone will tweet in right now and tell me he's always had a ripper or something, but I don't remember him. I used to think of him as a disher. Uh, he last, was. Like, yeah. But I, I also he, think he had a shot. Like, yeah, I don't think it was like much, the, maybe. yeah, I don't think it was like Marner level no. where it always feels like it squeaks in if it goes in. <laughs> it's not like, oh, he just snapped it. It's like he just got it through. <laughs> yeah, he got it through. That's the way that you would describe the goal scoring. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Bourne, there's going to be plenty more Leafs talk. Uh, I wanted to spend more time talking Amazon, so we'll probably just do that next week, you and I. Um rip up probably episode one of this. I want to keep the momentum going. Uh, I want to try to keep talking about this team on balance. And I know you are very excited. I can't, I'm looking forward to your preseason text tonight. I'm I'm really looking forward to with these, you know, line combinations, what we're going to get. Hey, Nick Robertson, top line, lots of minutes, Justin Bourne, big evaluator tonight. Follow at JT Bourne. He'll give it to you. Uh, It's good show. It's the Leafs hour. It's all those things. JD Bunk is Justin Bourne. Good show. Sports at five, nine of the fan.